to dive in today to the message, um, the Holy Spirit. And today, if we were to title it, it would be called the breath of God, the breath of God, the breath of God. Now, you know, it's unusual for me to share on the Holy Spirit uh, in this season. Normally, we would be doing something like a, a getting us ready for the fall, and it might be prayer, you know, fasting, you know, it just depends on what. But I've really felt the Lord say that He wanted me to speak on this as we prepare to launch into our new campus. And you'll notice I'm sitting down. If you're brand new, normally I stand up. Uh, I had to sit down just because I get really excited. I'm a preacher, and so today I'm going to try to teach you, so just be prepared to be totally underwhelmed. I just, it's not, I'm not, I just, I felt like I've got to be exact. I want to be precise. I want to make sure that I don't get too excited. It's important to me that you get exactly what God wants. And so I just felt like for me, I was just going to sit down, calm down and just teach, go into teacher mode. And so that's what you're going to hear from me today. We've got a lot of scripture, but I really believe this. I believe if you will engage your heart, engage your mind and ask God to speak to you, I really believe today could be a game changer for you. Especially if you came in and there's a skepticism. Um, you know, God's not afraid of skeptics. We have atheists come to church all the time and you're welcome. You don't have to believe to belong. Come investigate the claims of Christ. His, his truth will stand any question. It'll stand any argument. And so we're just going to love you. you I'm, I'm glad you're here. Welcome. The only thing I would say is just come to this with a blank slate. Like when I'm learning something, even when I re read the Bible and I study for you as a church, the biggest thing that I've had to learn is not bring all the years of stuff I've learned to the text today. Now, caveat, I don't walk into it like an idiot, but sometimes we have these preconceived ideas, past wounds, past experiences, and we try to filter the Bible through our filter. Instead of saying, Holy Spirit, God, speak to me fresh and new. And then when I do that, even when there's an argument one side or the other, I tend to really be able to be led by the Holy Spirit to a place where it's like, oh, wow, that's what you're really saying. And that's my prayer for us today. We're going to start in Acts chapter 19, uh, verses 1 through 2. Uh, and the, the reason it's important for us to start in this verse is because what we're experiencing in the body of Christ is not unusual. Um, I want to set this passage up. This is actually the book of Acts. If you're new to Christianity, it's the fifth book of the New Testament in the Bible. The first four books are what we call the Synoptic Gospels. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call them the Synoptic Gospels because it's really the one story told in four different ways. Each author highlighting a perspective that would reach a different audience or bring a, a deeper understanding to what took place. But when you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's, it's the life, it's the birth and history and the life of Jesus, his life, the death, burial, resurrection. Then we go into the book of Acts. Now, if you're not familiar with Acts, Acts is really a historical account of the early church, the first church. So what Jesus gave his life for, what he handed over to the, to the disciples, we get to hear what their experiences are like, the struggles and the challenges and what's happening. And so it's beautiful because, you know, sometimes we can look at our, our, our life today or the culture today or what we're faced with in society today and say what's well, unique to us. Listen, it's not. The early church was faced with some of that as well. And in verse uh, chapter 19, 
you'll notice it's chapter 19. Now, the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts was actually poured out in chapter 1. This is decades after the power of the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the 120 that were in the upper room. Jesus told them to go and tarry. And uh, 400 of them up in the room. And then what happens is they leave. There's only 120 left. They didn't leave until the power of the Holy Spirit was filling their life. They were endued with power. And that's where we read where Peter walks out of the upper room. The man who denied Jesus in a small group around a fire with a teenager stands out boldly to the masses who could crucify him just like Jesus was crucified, yet he preaches with clarity the gospel. He preaches with power the gospel, and 3,000 people get saved in one moment. What happened? He didn't do anything till he had the power. He didn't go out on his own. The Holy Spirit was poured out on him. And uh, so here we know that happens. Well, just a couple of decades later, here we see it's the early church. They would have heard about this. I mean, that's what I would think, right? If I'm reading this, I'm like, okay, uh, I, you know, here we are, 2022. Okay, maybe that's why we don't have... No, no, Paul was dealing with this with the first church, the early church. And then now look, it says, while Apollos, so he's talking, was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found when you believed. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So here's Paul, he's preaching the gospel, he comes across uh, some disciples, right? Disciples, we're not talking about unbelievers, these are believers. And he's asking a question, that's kind of an odd question if you feel like it's just supposed to naturally like, hey, it just, they're like, we didn't even hear that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, how many know if the early church is dealing with that, we're dealing with that today. That some people are like, well, you know, I don't know if you need all of that. Here's what I would say. Whatever God has available for me, I just want it all. Like, I don't want a little portion. I want everything that's available. The worst thing that could happen for me is to step into eternity and him say, well, I had so much more for you. I had more, but you didn't, you just didn't go after it. You didn't, you didn't ask me for it. And so I really pray that this series helps give us understanding so that we walk out, we just say, God, I just want the fullness of your power and your presence. Now, I do think this is still happening today. People don't even know. Why? Well, I think it's because the Holy Spirit gets a bad rap. Um, I think that when we see people that are spirit-filled or have the, power, the Holy Spirit speak in tongues, uh, sometimes we look at them and we're like, they're just weird. Nobody? So, so let me tell you a little bit about my background and something that I would just kind of naturally assume. My background is charismatic. Um, my, my parents, uh, my mom gave her life to Christ at a young, as a young adult. Uh, my dad and them, when they were saved, they, we ended up going to church. My whole life we went to church. And uh, my mom just went where she felt the presence and power of God. She would plant us into a church. Well, we lived in Mid-County, Southeast Texas. Found a great church, spirit-filled, charismatic. And so it wasn't anything for us to see Sister Amazing running through the upstairs. It was a large church, like just doing laps, like we're doing marches. And, and uh, we've got banners, Jehovah Jireh, come on somebody. And the holy two-step, I mean, you know you Pentecostal if you got the... Mm. Uh, uh, you know... So it's, it's like you just, you just did that. So for me, you know, I was raised in it. Now, I never took any friends to it. <laughs> Come on, somebody. 
except if they were desperate for God. Because when they were desperate for God, I knew we could get them to a place where God would move in spite of Brother Amazing and Sister Awesome. And here's what I would say. I, I think we can't throw the baby out for the bathwater. Like, it's like, I know there's some things that we, because I, God, the Holy Spirit's not weird. People are. And so, I, I mean, you've been at this church, and, and I want you to know we're a spirit-filled church. Now, that's not a knock like others aren't. I'm just telling you, I wanted to mark us. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But if you've been here for any amount of time, you've never seen me do something weird. You don't feel like it's weird or out of order. And I think that's because God does work in order. And the thing with the old school that I realize now that I'm a pastor, it's not that what they wanted us to experience was wrong. They just tried to do it all in a Sunday morning. Morning. Right? How I many remember the three and a half hour days of service? Aren't you glad church ain't three hours long? Oh, nobody? Okay, cool. I, got, I actually stopped it early first service. I'm not stopping this service. We will go the full three hours. Hey, get us ready for the Pentecostal two-step hop. Come on, somebody. No, no. I mean, right? I mean, times change. And here's what I learned. The reason they did that is because Sunday was really their big shot. It was like, we're going to do it all. And what we've realized is, if it's that important, let's create a process. So you want to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit? We have you go through a class. It's a small group, 12-week curriculum called Freedom. And that is, it, it helps you break off the chains of the past, close the door of the past, and then stop eating and living out of the tree of knowledge and really start living out of the tree of life. Well, then it uh, culminates and concludes with a weekend encounter, a Friday night, all day Saturday, and we walk through deliverance in the seven areas that we need to be delivered from. And the very last session is the opportunity for you to be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we believe in it. We're just not going to try to do it all on a Sunday. Does that make sense? And so there's ways where it's like we feel we, because how many of you if, you've, if you, if that is your background, you got baptized in the Holy Spirit and then you felt like you lost it? Well, it's because there wasn't understanding. And so we, we know that you get prayed for, but there's not understanding. You'll feel like, oh my God, did I lose it? No, you didn't lose it. You just didn't have the understanding. So that then it's like, okay, I get it. And that's what we want to focus on and help make sure is that we are really understanding the Holy Spirit so we can operate in the fullness of His power. Now, I am going to ask you to do something. I'm asking you to lock in with me for three weeks. Um, I don't often ask this. I know there's different seasons and different things. I'm just asking as a church, even if you're baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, there's something about us just realizing a deeper understanding of who He is that helps us to experience Him in a fuller way. It's like, I, I get it. I can explain it. I understand it. And so, I would ask you to just help me, and uh, not, not help me, but just come and be a part of it and, and allow the, the, the Spirit, the presence, the power, and the Holy Spirit of God to speak to us in a real way. Now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, I recognize there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of confusion around it. Um, and when you can evaluate it, it's like, why, why is that? Well, a lot of times it's because of a past experience that was awkward, weird, traumatic. And then what we do is we, we judge um, theology based on experience and not really God's word. So our experience dictates our truth instead of saying, look, that was an awkward moment. I don't agree with that, but let me go to God's word to really gain theology, understand the biblical truth of the power of the Holy Spirit and the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so again, just come with a blank page. 
God, I'm here. I'm ready to receive, and I'm going to really capture everything I possibly can. Now, I want to introduce the Holy Spirit. Now, when you do that, the best way to do it is to talk about his nature. So if I'm introducing someone that you have no idea who they are, I could just say their name. Or if I want to introduce Alexis, you know, then I begin to talk about Alexis. Man, she is passionate. She is, Alexis, stand up. She helps to lead. Paul, stand up. Stand up, Paul. They lead our student ministry. Come on, somebody. So proud of you guys. Y'all can have a seat. Parents, you need to make sure if you got a teenager, get connected with them. God is moving in the lives of our teenagers. But if I'm going to introduce her, I could say this is Alexis, or I could start to describe her. She's passionate. She's full of character. She's on time. I mean, she's going to give you everything she's got. She's all in. Well, now you begin to have an accurate picture of what I already know. And so it's important if I'm going to introduce the Holy Spirit, let's begin to understand the nature. And then one of the best ways for us to understand His nature is to go back to His name itself. His name. For those of you that are new to Christianity or maybe you've been around, I want to really help us understand His name and why we hear different things Because it'll help us even as we study the Bible for ourselves. When you hear Holy Spirit, there's typically two two names you'll hear. Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. And I want you to understand the reason is, is because English is not the original language that the Bible was written in. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And so that language uh, is the original text and English translators are trying to find words to describe those Hebrew words all throughout the translation of the Bible. That's why when you really study the Bible, it's, it's better not just to read it, but to really go back to the original text. The, like, hey, what's the original word when you're trying to go really deep in understanding and get a full understanding of what's being discussed? Now, the New Testament was primarily written in Greek. And so the English translator is now saying, okay, here's the Hebrew word, here's the Greek word, and they're doing their best to translate it in a way that in modern day, us English speaking people would actually understand what they're saying in the original day, in the original text. Does that make sense? So in the Old Testament, you would have the word for Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Um, That word is ruach. So I know if I got theologians watching Peter, I just butchered the Hebrew language. I'm a little rusty on my Hebrew. Um, But if you just act like you're choking on a popcorn seed, you can get that ruach. That's, that's how it goes. So, so let, me, let me help us. The, the definition doesn't even say ghost or holy ghost. Look at what it is. This is the original word and what it means. It means a wind, breath, violent exaltation, blast of breath. So now you can understand why the Hebrew uh, writer would say, hey, what, what, what do we, what, like how would you accurately describe? I mean, imagine father, son, and breath. Father, Son, and breath. Right? So, so how do you adequately describe wind and breath? And so the only thing they could they come up with is ghost. <laughs> Can't see it, but you get, you know, it's like supernatural. But so so there's a dilemma then is that if we're not careful, 
we will allow those words to scare us from experience the fullness of God. Like there's a deeper to this. And look at Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit, that's that's the word, ruach. So it wouldn't say, so imagine this. So the breath of God, the wind of God. You see, you see what I'm saying? The exaltation of God, the blast of breath of God. Now, imagine you're trying to translate it to Americans and people speak English all over the world. That's pretty difficult to explain. And so that's where they say spirit. Okay? Spirit. You with me? So then after this, this is where the light comes to the world, creation. So imagine this. God had his breath bring form and void to this world. God wants to have his breath bring form and, 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 and form to your life. Move in your life. And so that's, that's the Old Testament. Now let's look at the Greek word. It's pneuma. In the early 2000s, pneuma, um, what, there was a big rage for that word pneuma. And, and really it means spirit. And so when we're looking at what, what does it mean? What are the, the word of it? It's, it's a current of air. It's blast of breath. Remember the spirit, Holy Spirit. A strong breeze. So imagine again, you're the translator trying to translate this. Well, you're going to say the Holy Spirit. John chapter 6, verse 63. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. So what's he saying? He said, the words I've spoken, they're breath. They're air. It's, it's like a breeze that comes into your life. and It's a blast of breath. So think about your, your Bible. You know, the words I spoke, your Bible is alive. That's why it's so important that you read the Bible. It's not like any other book that an author might write. I mean, it is alive with the breath of God, and he wants it to breathe on your life. And yet so many times we leave it on the bookshelf, or it's on our phone app, and we never crack it open until pastor puts the scripture of it. What's happening? The, the enemy is robbing you of the breath of God, that his spirit would your Bible breathe on our life. It's what makes the Bible so unique. That's why I read the one-year Bible every day. Every day. Why? Because I want the breath of God, the words of God to breathe in my life. Christianity shouldn't be stale. It shouldn't be routine. routine. How, many, how many want the breath of God in your life? How many just want a stale religion? Anybody just want to do religious things? Or do we want the breath of God to breathe in our life? And the, the Holy Spirit of God to come alive. Well, I want the breath of God, the Spirit of God. Now... I want to continue to help us understand, uh, we, we want to dive into the nature of God. So, okay, we know it's breath, it's breeze, it's wind. Uh, and the best thing that I can do right now to help those of you that are maybe skeptical, nervous, afraid, is to help you understand wind. Because if that's what we're saying the word is, it's the wind of God, the breath of God. How many, is anybody afraid of wind? No, no, wind is good. Like, it's great. So, so maybe this will disarm us to really get a better picture of what the Holy Spirit and how he operates in his nature in our life. So first thing we know is that wind is unseen. How many know the Holy Spirit is unseen? You'll see the Holy Spirit. Just like you don't see wind, but how many know we see the effects of wind? How many ladies, you, you had your hair done all nice and purty, you know, you, you did it, and then it's great, you got in the car, you didn't let the air vents blow on your hair too much, because it would mess it up, you kind of face them down, and you get out, and then the wind here at BF Terry just messed it all up. Did you see wind? 
but you felt the effects of wind. It impacted your life. Phyllis, she loves the outdoors. Last, um, last week, you heard us up here talking about communication. You missed it. Go, I encourage you to go back and watch it. It really was a powerful message on communication. But you heard, she loves the outdoors. Me, not so much. When I was young, I worked construction. I was 14 to about 17. And uh, I worked outside. We poured concrete. And so I think I was just ruined. I was hot, miserable. And um, I just said, for the rest of my life, I'm going to live in air condition. Come on, somebody. And uh, so I'm still traumatized. But my, my amazing wife loves to go outside. And, and then on top of that, how I many know we live in Texas? Who wants to be outside in Texas? My wife. And so... We have air conditioning inside, but she wants to go out on the back porch. And I'm like, baby, I don't want to, but I'll do it because I love you. And uh, I'm so grateful for our house. Our house, we don't have neighbors behind us. And so there is a constant breeze that blows through the backyard. And I'm grateful because it'll be 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, the heated day. I'm outside. I'm almost dying. But then there's a breeze that in the midst of the hot day, in the midst of this humid weather, refreshes me, feels good, it's nice. Can I tell you, when the breath of God, the breeze of God blows in your life and you feel like you're walking through fire, that all the devils in hell are trying to beat you back, there is a refreshing that in the middle of the fire, the breath of God is blowing in my life. That's the Holy Spirit. Now, I want us to be careful because we don't live our Christian faith based on feelings. We don't need to live in our feelings. Uh, you know, we, we, don't, we don't get up and pray when we feel like it. We do it because we made a decision. He is worthy of us getting up and spending time. We don't read our Bible just when we feel like it. There's a discipline to it. Does that make sense? So it's like I'm not going to be tossed this way or that way just because of how I feel. But there is a sense where God wants us to feel his presence. Like we're not changing orthodoxy and doctrine and process just because we feel like it. Those things are solid. Like, like we can't add to or take away from the word of God. You didn't write the definition for marriage. You can't change the definition for marriage. I, you didn't write what it means to be pure and holy and to be set apart. You can't change what that means. You, so, so it's like we didn't create it so you can't redefine it. So I'm not talking about feelings like I just, I, want, I feel like we ought to be more relevant. Well, I don't know. Jesus had a way of winning lost people without losing truth. So I want to be relevant in the method, but we never change the message. Uh, you got a little quiet on me. So, so it's okay. John chapter 14, verse 16. We want to feel the presence of God, experience the presence of God. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you. So here he is. He's, he's here to help us. And be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be with you. 
The breath of God. I want to tell you one more, give you an illustration of how this plays out even in church. I get the privilege. It's been eight and a half years of pastoring this amazing church. And I have a sign. Usually it's on the stage that I pop every week. You'll see and it says it's a privilege to be on this stage. It's a privilege to pastor this church. God could have chose anybody. And so I go out in the breezeway and I'm just talking to people. And I love hearing stories. And one day there was this big guy. He comes barreling out the auditorium and, um, you know, I'm meeting people and he comes out that back door in the back and, and he just stood out and we locked eyes. Now, I've been doing this long enough that there's a look on his face. This is either going to be really good or I'm about to get chewed out. Like this is going to be really bad. And I've had both. Trust me. I trust me. Um, uh, and so here I'm, I'm like, oh, Jesus, he's this is a big old guy. Oh, my God, Jesus, Jesus. And so I'm thinking, and he comes up, and, and he says, hey. And I said, hey, how you doing? He said, I'm doing good. I said, okay. I said, well, what's, what's going on? He said, I just want to say thank you. I'm like, thank God. <laughs> I said, for what? He starts tearing up. Alligator tears. So I'm trying to be like, okay, I said, what's, what's going on? He said, I just got out of prison, and a friend invited me here today. And let me just tell you this. Look, that campus, we're not going to reach people because of marketing. We're going to reach them because you invite them. People don't come to church because of Facebook and all the 82, 83% come because of a personal invitation. So his friend was astute enough to say, you got to go to church with me. There's a place that will love you regardless of your past. And he's tearing up. And I said, tell me about it. He said, I haven't felt the presence of God like that in a long time. Thank you. You know what he felt? This is the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's good. Like again, we don't live on feelings, but thank God, God gave us feelings to feel his presence. Have you ever had that moment where you're like, just wrap me in your love, God. I just need to feel your presence. And even in this place, every week, I don't care if you remember my name, I don't care if you remember the name of church. I just want you to remember that I met God in that place. Because a lot of times nobody's ever going to remember what you say, but they'll remember how they felt. Well, is this the Holy Spirit? It's the Holy Spirit. Can't see him, but we can sense him. We can feel him. Next thing is wind is unpredictable. So the Holy Spirit's unpredictable. You know, when you look at wind, wind can change at any moment. I, Phyllis and I have the privilege. We fly out and travel. We've traveled uh, most of our lives, you know, since we were young. All over the, we've been to different countries. And, and so I'm always fascinated with airplanes. And if you ever fly, you'll notice out on the tarmac, there's a windsock. usually orange or a bright color. Um, and the windsock will change based on the wind. And it's like, well, with the, all the instrumentation, why would you need a windsock? Well, because they need instant feedback as to the direction. And based on what's happening and the blowing of the wind, they'll redirect planes. They'll send them to a different tarmac. They'll have them land in a different place. But it's all based on the changing of the wind. It's very unpredictable. I want you to know the Holy Spirit is very unpredictable. I mean, aren't you glad you serve a God that's bigger than our predictability? And sometimes if you think, I got a God, I need you to be nice and orderly and neat. <laughs> He'll be anything but nice, orderly, and neat. 
Why? Because he's not going to be put into a box. And I always look at it like this. If I could understand everything, then he's not much of a God at all because I'm not that smart. And so we understand, Holy Spirit, you're unpredictable. Look at what John chapter 3 verse 8 says. Jesus answered, the wind blows wherever it pleases. He's the Holy Spirit. Third part of the Trinity, wherever it pleases. Look, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it's with everyone born of the Spirit. Unpredictable. Unpredictable. I am a very habit-forming person. So, so I like, I, how many drive the same way to work every day? You do the same routine. You kind of get in this little routine. And you, you got some people, my wife, she wants to, she'll go a different direction. She don't even care. She's like, oh, I'm going this way. Why? I don't know. I just feel like getting a little more sun today. You know, I'm like, nah, let's go the same way. You're messing me up. Um, but the problem when we ask God to do it the same way is that a lot of times we'll begin to worship the process and not the creator. God never spoke through a burning bush after he spoke to Moses the first time. He didn't do it again. Why? Because we would have said, well, the only time God is moving is if we hear it through a burning bush. He did it one time. It was with Moses to deliver the people out of Egypt into the promised land. I, I'm reminded we see this also in the New Testament. Jesus is healing people. He's come to the fullness of his ministry. And clearly he's healed blind eyes and deaf ears and dead have been raised. And there's a man that's chronicled in, uh, in the Gospels where he brings a blind friend to Jesus. And he literally tells Jesus, hey, lay your hands on him and heal him. And Jesus like, nah. No, no, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to. And he spits on the ground. I would have been mortified. I'd have been like, oh my God, Jesus, I brought him here for you to heal him. And you hock a loogie and you spit in the ground. And it wasn't even bad enough to spit in the ground. He actually gets in there and he starts making a little bit of mud. Can you imagine being mortified? Thank God he can't see. But you can imagine the crowd. Oh. And then we know the story, what he's doing, he puts it in his eyes, he's healed. Why would Jesus do that? Because it's not the process, it's the person. We like to put it, so, so sometimes you'll look for God, God, you did it this way in my life, and so you start to worship the process. If I do this, if I do that enough, then I'll earn it. No, no, you don't earn it, and God's probably not going to ever do it that way, because he, he changes, he's unpredictable. He wants you to stay committed to him, not just worshiping a process, or not worshiping a process, but worshiping him. Yeah. I need you Where, wherever you lead me, whatever it looks like. Even when we bought this building, look, you got, I'm getting all excited. I got to sit down. We bought the building. I remember telling our team, God's not going to do it the same way. We raised $1.192 million in uh, 150 days. And I said, listen, we needed, uh, there, had, there was a gap of $2.7 million on top of what we had already planned to spend. And I told the team, I pulled us all together, and I said, God won't do it the same way he did it that way. So we got to look for creative ways. What is, what is God speaking in this season? And let me tell you, the miracle has happened in a unique way. It's we've gotten a little bit extra money from the bank. People have given a little bit more money and we've cut some money. And you know what? The miracle is right in the middle. Why? Because God's doing it different. And so he wants to be that unpredictable way in nature so that we stay dependent upon him. Just like the wind. Another thing, the wind is powerful. 
Uh, when we did hurricane relief, if you are familiar with 2017 Hurricane Harvey, God positioned us miraculously. August 26, um, I had a word from the Lord that he was going to trust us with something. And I, I'm like, okay, I thought it was like revival. Like, okay, the power of miracles. You know, I believe we're a house of miracles. So I'm like, God, that, no, it's a hurricane. <laughs> I'm like, God, don't do it like that again, please. And so, but we were in position. We took over Tractor Supply. The owner of the building allowed us to have it for a dollar a month. And we saw 1.5, 1.6 million pounds of goods sent to more than 400 unique locations all throughout Southeast Texas. And it was amazing. But a lot of times when you think about Hurricane Harvey, we think about just the floodwaters. But did you realize that the velocity of the wind got to be 134 miles per hour? There was just as much destruction from the wind by the sheer power and force of the wind. The wind is powerful. Don't you know the Holy Spirit is powerful. Many of you are going through things right now that human power will not fix. So you need the power of God to break the chains of the enemy. You need the power of God to break the addiction of the enemy. You need the power of God to break the stronghold of the enemy. Aren't you glad you serve a powerful God who gives us access to a powerful Holy Spirit that we have relationship with? It's powerful. Look, this is Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Power. Power. I I, I love to read biographies. And probably about a decade ago, I started reading biographies of early revivalists. 1700s, 1800s, all the way back to the early church. And there's a revivalist. His name was Charles Finney. And uh, in the early 1800s, Um, Charles Finney, who God would use to lead the Second Great Awakening in America, um, would happen. He was studying law, going to law school. He's very heady, very smart. Um, He was leading the choir at his church. He gets frustrated, and he's like, "Man, I'm just, I'm frustrated." God, he starts what what we call contending for the faith. I, I think sometimes we've not contended for the faith. What do you mean? Did you, when you prayed that prayer, listen, I'm, I know I give a prayer at the end of every service, but can I tell you, every person that prays that prayer is not saved? <gasps> what do you mean, pastor? Well, it's not just the confession of faith. It's the belief in your heart. I don't know what your heart is saying. It's not a prayer that gets you out of hell free card. It's a prayer of absolute surrender. You know, when we confess Jesus is Lord, that means he is Lord over my finances. He's Lord over my discipline. He's Lord over my health. He's Lord over my relationships. That means every aspect of my life. That means that I no longer live for myself. And there's too many people that live for themselves. I'm like, did you even get saved? I'm sorry. I didn't say all that earlier, so I'm sorry. They, they, so here's what we got to look at. It's, it's like he's contending for his faith. God, there's something void and empty. And what happens is he goes into the woods and he tells God, I'm not moving till you save me. And he's there for an extended amount of time and has an authentic conversion. And in that moment is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He, he has a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that from that moment on is where he begins the, the great awakening. God uses him in a powerful way. 
miracles, signs, wonders. America has never been the same. I want you to see what he said. These are his words. The Holy Spirit descended upon me. He's giving an account of what took place. In a manner that seemed to go right through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. For I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. Waves of just liquid love. How many of us need the breath of God? The breath of God in our marriage. The breath of God. In our, in our children's lives and in our homes and in our workplaces. You need the, some of you need the breath of God in your health. It's the breath of God. The breath of God. Another thing wind is, wind is refreshing. I love it. Refreshing. Refreshing. First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 and 10 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. You say, well, what does that have to do with being refreshed? Well, vision brings refreshing. You ever been in a hard time, but you couldn't see beyond the moment? What about if you ever been in a hard time, but you knew what God has called you to? There's a refreshing. See, we, we run from hard times. I would say we don't run from hard times. We just need a vision for what's beyond this hard time. The refreshing, that comes through the Holy Spirit. He, see, right here what we see is in the natural, we couldn't even, even if we saw it, we wouldn't be able to understand it. If you hear it, what he's saying is you can't even understand it. See, God's been trying to give you a picture of the future, but you've not experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, so you've not been refreshed because it's only the Spirit that reveals it to us. So mind is conceived. Man, God, you do what only. You can do a refreshing, refreshing. Come on, refreshing. And you know, I, this morning as we are wrapping this up, guys, you come on out. You know, I've just been praying that God would move supernaturally. I have more, and I know you're looking at the notes, you're like, Pastor, especially all the C's in here. You're like, oh, we got one, two, three, four more points. Yeah, but we're out of time. And he's, he's worth not rushing. So I just felt like it got to this place in the first service that God must want us to just really say, okay, Lord, you'll win. Let us just ponder that. Okay. Breathe in my life. God, move in my life. I don't have to be afraid of the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. That God wants to breathe his breath in and through you. Some of you, you've been working in your own power. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you, you've been exhausted and you think the way to be refreshed is inactivity. Inactivity is not how to be refreshed. How many have ever gone on vacation? And you've been more, how many have ever needed a vacation from your vacation? Why? Because that's not how we get refreshed. It's the wind of God. So here's what I've learned to do. I've just learned to say, I'm on vacation, but I don't vacation from the breath of God. You know, some of us like to put God on the shelf, say, I'll come pick you back up later. Not a both hand. Wind of God. Breath of God. Some of us, look, this is what needs to happen. We need to say, God, I'm okay with you being unpredictable. 
He's gotten outside of your box and you got a little offended. I want you to know God's not afraid of your offense. In fact, he brought you here this morning because he wants to deal with it. And if we really knew the presence, the power, and the person of the Holy Spirit, we would actually embrace the different. We would embrace this unusual work that God wants to do in our life because maybe we've worshiped the process and not the person. So it's like, God, just do what only you can do. Help us. And that as a church, we would be marked, not because of amazing worship, which I think we've got amazing worship, not because of great preaching. And I, I mean, you know, it's like, that's awesome. But could we just be marked by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit? That people would say, that's a place of miracles. That's a house where God resides. I've always said this, God, this is your church. Whatever you want to do in this church. Have your way. And sometimes that means we're very uncomfortable. But I think God wants to make us uncomfortable so that there's total dependence on him. I'll tell you as we are finishing up, can we turn them up just a little bit, please? Thank you, Elvis. You guys, I love it. How many love Elvis? And Chance. We love these guys. I've now been living for God fully surrendered since 2003. Never thought I'd be a pastor. I'm a good businessman. I always thought, hey, I'm going to bring wealth to the kingdom. In fact, it's really funny. My whole goal was to be a millionaire by the time I was 35. And I just, here's, here's the unpredictability of God. Don't be a millionaire. Go start a church. I'm like, well, there you go. There you go. But I've learned through the years, it's like, God, even in the building, it's like, God, I wouldn't do it that way. I would have waited until we had money in the bank because I like margin and I would have taken my time. But I felt the Lord say, here's a divine opportunity. And if you will trust me, so the Holy Spirit's not you. If you'll trust me, I got you. Some of you got to trust God. You're waiting on that breakthrough. And in your mind, that breakthrough will happen in two years or three years or five years. I want you to get stirred up. There is a breakthrough right now. God wants to do a work right now. God has redeemed the time. And I believe there's an acceleration. And we can't placate to the enemy. We can't just take part of God. We got to say we embrace all of God because what we're stepping into, the world needs. Our community needs, our school needs, our homes need, our workplaces need. Walmart needs it. Come on, somebody. Right? Can we stand up? I just want to pray over you.